as a new one on us, I think. I uh, I didn't know they had the corner on the market on that. They have a corner on the market on, oh, never mind. I won't go there. But uh, other things with demonic activity. But anyway, uh, let me tell you something. Holy laughter, writhing on the floor like a dog, barking, that's demonic. Yeah. That is not of God. And so maybe if that's what they mean by the they, we don't uh, believe that. They're right. They're right. And uh, we believe it is that is not of the Holy Spirit of God. But anyway, <clears throat> we are well aware and well acquainted. We believe the Bible. We're Bible believers. Amen. So we believe that there's demonic activity that comes out and happens, and it happens in our life. Uh, uh, we believe this. We cannot be possessed by a demon. Not possible. I don't believe it's possible. And... Um, um, the, the key word that a lot of people use is oppressed. I think that's a pretty good word. From the outside, not from the inside. And, uh, and you know it's true. You've, you've, you've probably had those uh, battles in your life. And sometimes the, the trick is wondering, what's of Satan? What's of you? <laughs> the world, the flesh, and the devil. Wh- which one is it, right? And I, I do think Satan gets blamed way too often for some stuff. Sometimes we're just dumb. And we do really idiotic stuff, right? And then we go, wow, I can't believe, well, Satan really got in there. I tell you what, no, your, your lust got in there and your sin got in there and your dumb choice got in there. And uh, maybe, maybe there's some outside influence there. But, uh, but we, we do know that uh, Satan desires uh, to destroy us. You know, Jesus told Peter, you know, that I've prayed for thee, but he said that Satan desires to have you, then we sift you as wheat, right? Peter was, it's uh, interestingly enough, it was Peter himself later who would say, for your ad, be sober, be, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking to whom he may devour. Peter knew very well the tactic and the ability of Satan in a life, uh, personally. And so there's warnings from God, and, and what we have seen is that the Lord gives us um, uh, armor that we're looking at, armor to withstand uh, the wiles of the devil, to withstand the fiery darts of, of Satan. And we've already looked at this. Uh, um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We've looked at the belt of truth. We've looked at the breastplate of righteousness. We've looked at those gospel combat boots, right? You're having struggles. You're struggling with, uh, uh, in the flesh. You're struggling with temptation. You're struggling. Get your tracks out. You're right? It's the preaching of the gospel that are those shoes that give you ability. Not only do they protect you where you're going, but they give you the agility and the ability and the, the assuredness to move and stand and, and walk and run and fight and all of these things. I mean, God has given us, He has equipped us uh, with what we need to be victorious over Satan. <clears throat> so, look at Ephesians 6. I've, we read these every week. We're going to read them again. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, <clears throat> that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against things you don't see. Right? We're not wrestling against... Sometimes it looks like something we're seeing, what we think it is, but that's not really it. Especially in a church setting. Right? In a body. They're fighting one another. And somebody hasn't had the spiritual discernment to go, 
oh wait, maybe this isn't the problem. Maybe it's maybe this is Satan, right? And we need to and take that into consideration. He goes on to say, thirteen. Wherefore, taken the whole armor of God, that may stand uh, in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, that's what we're going to look at today, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye may be able, ye shall be able, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And we'll stop there this morning. Father, would you bless your word this morning? We just ask you that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit, that you'd illuminate your word today, and Lord, that you would teach us exactly what we need. Everybody in here in this room, or whoever's watching online, Lord, everybody is is uh, faces attacks of Satan. And I'm thankful that you equip us for that. And you just pray today, Lord, as a reminder, you would uh, just uh, help us once again to see some of the some of the the armor that we have uh, in this fight that we can be victorious. And we'll thank you for what you teach us today and what we implement. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to know. I want you to notice something here. I said we've looked at the 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 they've gird up their loins. Right with with uh, the, there's a belt of truth. Right there is the breastplate of righteousness. There's the gospel shoes, the gospel boots. I want you to notice the flow of truth and the order of the armor. Notice the the order of the truth and the order of the armor. Now watch this. How does truth come? In God's economy, I've told you this before, in God's economy, truth starts in the mind. That's why Paul said, when he said, you know, things I don't want to do, I do. Things I do want to do, I find myself not doing. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he went on to say that I have found that with my mind I serve Christ. Right? And it starts, truth starts in the mind. That's why we've got to be so careful about keeping the mind clear. I tell you what, all this stuff, with, especially where you are, brother, the, the, the narcotics and the drugs, I'm telling you, they're going to legalize coke. They're going to legalize heroin. You're going to be able to buy it on the street. That is all a part of the end times. That is all a part of the, the Antichrist ruling and reigning. You've got to have brain-numbed people to control. And it's coming. It's coming. But, uh, you, you know... Uh, that, that's why Satan attacks the mind. That's why as believers, we don't put anything in our body that, that is a mind-altering drug. We should never do that because it's with our mind that we, we start with truth. So when the, in the economy of God, truth begins in the mind. And then it, when it's, it's believed, it's, a, uh, it's agreed to a belief, it moves into the heart. And then from the heart, it goes out into the actions. Right. Now, in Satan's economy, it's the reverse Many times it'll start with the flesh. That flesh, the action, will affect the heart, and the heart will eventually affect the mind. And then you get into a real bad place. You get over to Romans chapter 1, then they're all the way to a reprobate mind. How do they get to a reprobate mind? Well, it started in their actions, and it went to their mind. In the economy of God, it starts in the mind, and it moves to the actions. And so you see that order. We hear, we believe, and then what we ought to do is we ought to do, right? Hear, believe, do. Now look at the order of the armor. Truth, right? Mind. Breastplate of righteousness, 
the heart, shoes, the doing. There's an order here. The mind, the heart, the feet. The mind, the heart, the feet. And you see that order there. Now notice the next piece of armor though in verse 16 of our text is what we're going to look at today is that shield of faith. That Roman shield, that, that, that scutum it's called I believe that may be how you pronounce it. About four feet tall. You're like, that's not four feet. Okay, it's about four feet tall. It's about 16 inches wide. It's about 30 inches deep. How many have a burn barrel? Anybody know what a burn barrel is? Yeah, man, that's a great thing to have. If you take a a 50-gallon burn barrel and cut that dude right long ways in half, you'd have about the width and the depth, pretty close, of of this uh, shield that we're talking about. Not quite as tall. But you'd have kind of that look of that shield, pretty rounded uh, type of a shield. It weighed about 22 pounds, 2200, that'd be pretty cool. It weighed about 22 pounds. It was two layers of glue, of wood glued together. And then they would have leather uh, or canvas on that and then leather on top of that. And then on the top of it and around the sides and the edges, it would have a metal frame around it. So if you notice... And then in the middle, it had this, this, this uh, embossed thing that's called an umbra or something like that, where you would hold it. It could also be used to punch with if you need to, but it's pretty large to do that with. They had smaller ones for that. But um, it was used to obviously shield from arrows, but it was also used to shield from swords. I mean, the top of that metal, if you got down low enough on the thing, a sword's coming down from a horse going by, and it would hopefully it would hit that, and, and it, it would miss you, right? And that would that's kind of the goal of it, right? Troops will take these things, and, and, and they would put theirs all together, and side by side by side, and overlap a little bit, and they could get down below this thing, and they could slowly move in a line, and move in a line, while arrows are coming from maybe even... You you know, hundreds of yards away, right? They can still make movement because those arrows are not getting through that shield. It's not possible. They're too thick. They, they were built too well, too well. They would huddle together and form walls with these shields. They'd put them over them and around them. And I'm telling you, they, they're almost uh, impenetrable. They would do a, this thing that would almost create like a turtle effect over a group of them. And uh, you, you were not getting... Uh, through them, even today, in some police riot gear, you have some of the same things that they use. A lot more modern, maybe out of Kevlar and something a little lighter uh, than, than something like this, but it's the same thing. It is a shield. 90% of the use of this Roman shield was was a defensive tool, not offensive. To only 10% of that, that, that middle part that you could maybe move forward or punch with uh, was more of an offensive. But 90% of this was defensive. And so Paul has uh, once again drawn from the Roman military to illustrate that we are in a battle and we've been given armor for the battle, right? We've been given armor for this battle. And it is this shield, right, this Roman shield that is the next segment of the armor that we're going to look at today. Notice what he says here uh, in verse 16, above all. Above all that's already been listed, like the Roman shield, the Christian shield covers all of that other interior armor that they already have on. 
you can cover up your feet with that thing. You can cover up that, that breastplate that you already have on. You can cover up that belt that's tying things up so you can move. You can cover all of that is being protected by the shield, the, uh, the, the, the shoes, the breastplate, the, the truth, uh, the belt of truth. It's all mainly about mobility. There's, you know, it's 90% mobility and 10% protection. This shield is 90% protection and 10% mobility almost. I guess you could run those number of those. But the shield is what stops the arrows coming in, right? Uh, the, the, the shoes, they're great protection for mobility, but you can still get an arrow through one of those shoes. That hurt. <laughs> I don't care where you get an arrow. It's going to hurt, right? People are like, well, at least it went through. I don't care where it goes. It's hurting, all right? I don't want it, all right? And so the first three segments uh, are the ease of mobility. But he says here, above all, though, above all of those things, taking the shield of faith. Right. So like the shield for the Roman, I'm telling you, the shield for the Christian is, ne- is necessary for being victorious in battle. That's right. Yeah. Right. You, you, you might, listen, you might be able to run out of the way a little bit. You, you might be able to get, have a little more mobility, right? You might have a little bit that will protect with that breastplate of righteousness that you're keeping the heart protected, right? But you're still going to get one in the arm. You get one in the neck. Yeah, I mean, you're out of commission, man, you know. I, I just saw the other day on the line the, some skull they uncovered, some Norwegian skull, and it had an arrow. And I looked where that arrow was, man. I thought, ooh, I bet that hurt. <laughs> it was like right through the nose cavity like this. It was coming straight down uh, down into the mouth. I'm like, ah. I'd be like, ah. You know. Yeah. Obviously, nobody pulled that dude out because he died with it. They're probably like, well, that's cool. Just bury him with it. That's really neat, you know. <laughs> Just cut it off. Bury him. It's, uh, he's done. Yeah. Oh, oh. Get one of that. I don't care where you get it. It's going to hurt, right? Yeah. I'm just, uh, Yeah. So, so I just can't get over that. I don't like arrows, you know. And uh, so I want you to notice this of the shield, though. Yeah, it's it was heavy, right? It's heavier, but you have to have it if you're going to suit up for battle, and you're going to watch and you're going to win. Right? You're going to have to have it. You might be able to run around for a long time. Remember, remember uh, Josiah. No, no, it was Ahab. Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And it said, at a venture, that one guy just out of nowhere. <laughs> just wonder where it go, where it went. <laughs> right, into, right into Ahab. <laughs> just had a, I, you know, he should have had a shield. Well, he shouldn't have been an idiot, too. But he uh, should have had a shield. And, I mean, you can run around all you want. But, listen, if you're going to survive this thing, you need a shield. What is the shield? What is the material of the shield? And uh, spiritually, what is it that puts the shield in place to protect us? We're going to look at those two things. Number one, what is the shield? Well, it says it's faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. So what is faith? Well, you can quote to me, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think it is, right? What is faith? Well, it says in Hebrews, let me go over there and look at that if you want to. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you notice that word substance there. Faith is a substance. That word substance means confidence and it means assurance. Not just like substance like, you know, a mass of stuff. (laughs) 
It means confidence and assurance. Notice this, it's the substance of things hoped for. What does that word hope there means? It means to wait, to wait with full confidence. Notice this word evidence. We know what evidence is, that's proof. Yeah. And then things not seen, not just things invisible, but things that haven't come to fruition yet. So what is faith? It's the assurance, right? It's the assurance that we have that we wait with full confidence, which the assurance itself is the proof, not just of things that we can't see, but things that haven't come to pass. Yes, watch this. Faith is assurance and faith is proof. Faith is the assurance and faith is the proof. So here's some things, you know, that we know about about faith when we're talking about faith, right? We see a few things about what is faith. Well, the first thing you have to know before we get to the place of what faith is. Yeah, I'm trying to think how to. Let, let me go at it this way. We know this. God has spoken. We believe that, right? We believe God has spoken. We believe in the fact that God has spoken. And we believe by faith in what God has spoken. We believe that He has spoken, Right? And we believe what he has said is indeed fact. The very first doubt you see in the Bible was, was given by Satan and that it ended up being just a, a, a flat denial. But he told Eve, remember, hath God said. Hath God said. What is he questioning? He's questioning the fact that God is spoken. But what he was really questioning was, was really what, what God was, is what God said true. Right. Well, Satan said, hath God said. What do we say? Well, yes, he has. Right. We believe that. Right. God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Jacob. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Joshua. I mean, God spoke through the through the angels. God put on human flesh. The second person of the Godhead put on human flesh, was born of a virgin and spoke on this planet. And we have record of everything, not everything, but we have record of what Jesus said, what he wanted recorded. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the apostles. Hey, we know it this morning. God spoke. And we have it, we have it right here this morning that he has spoken. Second Peter, uh, Peter himself said, who, who sat and walked with the Lord Jesus and listened to all of his words. Uh, Peter said this in first, uh, Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, and we know this, knowing first, uh, this first that no prophecies of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. God spoke. God has spoken. And not only has God spoken, but we know that it's written down. We have it right here in front of us. Amen. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. David and Solomon wrote. The Old Testament prophets wrote. Uh, apostles, uh, uh, some of the apostles uh, wrote the Gospels and the Epistles. Some even non-prophets wrote. You have Amos who said, hey, I'm just a farmer, man. Uh, I'm not even the son of a prophet, okay? Amos wrote. Agur, the, who is, uh, who is uh, uh, more, um, oh, what's the word he used? In the Proverbs 30, uh, anyway, he said it was more beastly than all the rest of them. I forget the word he used, but Agur and Esther, and you have whoever wrote Esther and Ruth and all of these things. Uh, I, it's my opinion, you can go look it out, but it's kind of my opinion that Eliphaz probably wrote Job. Can you give you something to study this week? 
Uh, brutish, that's the word. Thank you, brutish. That's what Iger said. He was just, he's just more brutish than everybody else he said. And I mean, what are we saying? We have the word of God was written down for us. We have it written. He has written the word of God. He has spoken. He has written. And listen, here it is. This is the big thing. It's preserved. I said all the time. I just said it last week. If it's not, if, if there is no preservation, inspiration doesn't matter. That's right. That's true. No inspiration, preservation doesn't matter. So you've preserved uninspired words? What's the point? What does inspired mean? Not that the writers were inspired, but that the word was God-breathed and the writers were moved along by the Holy Ghost. People say it all the time. Well, the, you, know, the, you know, John was inspired to write. No, he wasn't. He was moved along with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. What he wrote, well, the word inspired means God-breathed. What he wrote was God-breathed. And the Holy Spirit of God moved him to write in. So we have the preserved Word of God. The, big, the great battle today is on preservation. It really is. If you get into theological circles, this gets argued all the time. I know it could be boring to you, but it's imperative. Because, friend, I, I, this has been a theme of late, it seems like. But if we don't have the Word of God, we're wasting our time. We need to go, to, go fishing, go do something else. Psalm 12, the words of the Lord are pure words, a silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest man are exalted. Some believe that this here says, Thou shalt keep them. Them is referring to the words. Others say, Well, them is referring to the poor. Grammatically, it's not possible for them to refer to the poor. In Psalm 12, what you have is man's words... And then you have, go read Psalm 12. You have man's words, then you have God's words. Yeah. And what is preserved? God's words. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, I don't know, part of me says, if I was poor, do I want to be preserved as poor? I'd rather like the opportunity to get out of this. <laughs> right? But here's, here it is. They say, oh no, no, God just preserves. I, I, I understand there's another way. There's other ways that you could look at the preservation of the poor. But, uh, but beyond that, it's not what it's saying. It is not grammatically correct to say the word them is referring to anything but the word of God, the words of the Lord. They're, Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, that word is settled in heaven. Jesus said, not one jot nor tittle will pass till all the law be fulfilled. I watched a video by one of these uh, Bible correctors, uh, uh, Mark, whatever, Ward, and... Uh, he writes, uh, translates for Wycliffe and all of these things. And he actually says he's, he does not, he, he rejects the, uh, the, the King James, uh, uh, the, the TR only position. And he says, but the one thing that is very valid that they have is Jesus said, not one jot nor tittle will pass till all the law be fulfilled. And he says that you got to think about that one because either it's true or it's not, you know, interesting. But we'll go back to the other perversions anyway. So, anyway. Yeah. Do you realize that everyone that came after Jesus purporting to be a prophet, Joe Smith, yeah, Mary Glubber, Baker, Patterson, Eddie, yeah, Campbell, well, he didn't write his own. But all these other false prophets that came after the Lord Jesus, they went and wrote their own Bible. You know what Jesus did? He came and he validated all of the Old Testament. Yeah. Why? Because it's his word, right? He can't deny himself. And he was authenticating that this is the very word of God. He said, how many times did Jesus said, ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. He didn't come and rewrite it. He said, you don't know it. 
It's the same problem today, isn't it? Right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So when Jesus came, He established the Scriptures. We know this. God has preserved His Word. We've looked at this over and over again. We've looked at the evidence. We saw it again last week. It came up again, the evidence. One of the greatest evidences we have is 40 different writers over a 1,600-year period of time, four or five different languages, different continents, and there's not a contradiction. That's pretty good, folks. Yeah. Fulfilled prophecy, right? We talked about that. So, yeah. Wait, if our faith is in God, our faith will be anchored in what He said. Actually, God, what did God say? Do you realize He said, I esteem my word about my name? (laughs) Think about that now. Because our name defines what we are and who we are. If, If I say Charles, right? Or Charlie, hopefully you know who calls you. Oh yeah, that's bad. If I say Charles, my dad, my dad's name's Charles. Did you know that? Yeah, it is. Sometimes it goes by Chuck, but Charles. I could say Charles and then go, whatever. You could be thinking of who knows. But the moment I say Charles Manson, everything you're thinking changes. Why? Because the name defines who and what they are and their character and everything about them. But God said, I will even esteem my, na- my word above my name. Wow. Yeah. Good place to put your faith. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God spoke. God wrote it down. God preserved it. And Paul says this. This faith is our shield. Yeah. What is it? Uh, it's the word of God. Amen. It's the word of God. People say you have a blind faith. No, I don't have a blind faith. I, my faith, my trust, my reliance is on what he said. And I believe he said it. And I think by he has proven over and over and over again, this is the very word of God. And this is where our faith is. So, okay, so we say here it is. Above all, taking the shield of faith. So we know this shield is faith, right? It is faith. So how do you implement the field? How do you drag the shield out to the battlefield with you? How do you put the shield in front of you when it's time, right? We know how to do it with a regular shield. You pick it up and you clunk, you put it there, right? Well, how do you go clunk with the shield of faith? Well, <laughs> very. Let, let me give you some examples. What are some of the darts of Satan? Well, maybe they're doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe it's just some sin that's just dangling out in front of you, and you're going, uh, I don't know, right? I don't think that's good. Something tells me this isn't good, right? And it's going out in front of you. Fear, anxiety, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. These are all darts. Yeah. And so when the darts are flying, what do we do? We get behind our shield. Well, what does that look like? Well, maybe when doubts come, you go to Hebrews and you say, and you remind yourself, well, Jesus says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Yeah. It's written, <laughs> I will never leave thee. Nor forsake thee. Yeah. Maybe when discouragement comes, Jeremiah comes to your mind, right? And you, you, you discouragement comes and you remind yourself or you tell that wherever, whatever's coming around, you say, it is written. I know the thoughts I have through thee, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good to give you an expected end. Yeah. What do you do? What, what is the shield? You're, you're quoting the word of God. Isn't that what Jesus did with Satan? It is written. It is written. It is written. 
Yeah. Fear comes, you might go to Psalm 56. It says, when I am afraid, yeah, I will trust in thee. Yeah. Fear. What about when sin comes? I, I couldn't remember this. I'm, I'm determined to get this verse out because two weeks ago I could not remember 1 John 1, 9 for the life of me. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. yeah. Maybe sin is... A dart of sin kind of got through somewhere. I don't know. Maybe temptations come and you might stand up and say, hey, there's no temptation taking you such as common demand. But with, with, with that temptation, give you a way of an escape. Right. You know, before that, say, well, I don't know. I tried to escape. It didn't work. You know, really before that, there's a whole thing of fleeing before. Sometimes we haven't fleed. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, no, <laughs> it didn't work. Well, yeah, maybe you should have ran first, right? Our shield is faith, and our faith is in what God said. So how is the shield implemented? First of all, for that Roman soldier, that shield had to be with him at all times. He had to get behind it when the arrows were flying. What does that mean? You've got to have the shield with you, man. Lady, sorry. You've got to have it with you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You may not only have, always have the Bible. Listen, I'm telling you, there's coming a day when you'll wish you'd memorize more. Yep. Yeah. There's coming a day when temptation comes and you don't know what to do. When darts are hurling, discouragement's coming, doubt's coming. You're, you're sitting in your home looking out your window and just, just the, the doldrums and the, 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 the fog has come over you and you just don't know where to go or what to do and just, you're just ready to give it all up and walk west and keep walking. Right? Yeah. Better have it memorized. You better have it ready. You know what's wonderful? I mean, I, I mean, we've got a phone. You can get an app with the Bible if you need it. You can get Google now and go, what Bible verses should I find for discouragement? I'm, and they'll pop up. Yeah, you'll have to find the right Bible because generally they're never the right Bible. Yeah. You've got to have it with you. You've got to have it ready, right? The Bible said, be ready to give every man an answer of the hope which lies within you. How are you ready always to give every man an answer of the hope which lies within you if you don't know the Word of God? That's right. Yeah. yeah. You've got to get behind it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you've got to get the Word out in front of you. It's, how does the Word get out in front of you? Well, how did that shield get out in front of them? It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Wait, they brought it with them to battle before they left the house, right? Now, they might have been like me with my notes this morning, like, I'll be back, you know. And hopefully you get the shield before the arrows hit you on the way trying to go home and get your shield. But they probably wouldn't have done that, okay? But uh, it's just my weird mind. You've got to have it with you. You've got to have it out in front of you. You've got to have it ready. You've got to leave the house with it, right? If you don't know what God has said, you've left your shield at home. You have no protection against, uh, against the fiery darts of the devil. You have a little bit, right? You've got that breastplate there that might help, help the heart a little bit. Yeah. But it's not going to protect you from some wounds that come in that are just painful. I hadn't thought about this before, but you know, David was still thought, it's called a man after God's own heart. The wounds that got him didn't affect his heart, right? But boy, were they painful. Boy, is that sin with Bathsheba painful. Yeah. 
You read the Psalms and you look what he says. He says, it's like my bones are broken. It destroyed him. The murder of Uriah, one of his great men, destroyed him. Took him a long time to get over that. You look at the Psalms, man, I mean, it was just on and on. Never, the sword never left his house. He dealt with that for the rest of his life. Dealt with that. Might not have got his heart, but man, did it do a lot of damage. Did a lot of damage. Notice also the fact that the soldier brought his field. I wrote this down. The fact that he brought the shield out with him revealed that he trusted it to protect him. Could you imagine if you're getting ready to leave the house when your kids goes, here, I made a shield for you, Dad. And it's like a piece of cardboard and, you know, really cool little thing. He drew fun things on it. And you're like, thanks, buddy. And Chuck in the back of the truck, you know, or in the back of the chariot, right? You're just, okay, thanks, buddy. That was awesome. You're not going to trust that thing. Well, by gump, my son made it. It'll work. Well, you're dumb. It ain't gonna work. Cardboard shield ain't going to work. You know what happened? They, they bring the shield because they believe it's going to work, right? I tell you what, he knew he was going to need it. He knew it was going to work. He knew he was going to need it. Friend, if you come out of here and you think, oh, eh, you know. You know, so many times I'm reminded of the way I prepare for my day. Being transparent, sometimes the way I prepare for my day reveals that I really just believe I've got it all under control. And I don't. Because you get reminded about an hour in, whoop. I guess they don't have this under control, right? Yeah. I went to go see my brother one time up in Philadelphia. They worked at a Bethel Baptist Church in uh, inner city Philadelphia, Kensington area. And uh, I was driving up there, and uh, my brother told me, he said, well, you'll feel the demonic oppression about 20 minutes out. It never leaves. And he says, you don't leave. You know, brother. You, yeah, brother, you know. And he says, you don't leave your house not prepared it's like and I got there it's like Ugh. about three days later I was trucking home I'm like I'm out of here this is awful <laughs> it's terrible yeah sorry it was just bad it was just you, know, you didn't live in Philly you're, you're okay you're <laughs> yeah he trusted it they knew he would need it right do you know I think many Christians leave their shield behind because they don't really think they're going to need it. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder, hmm, sometimes I wonder if they just aren't really convinced that it works. I'll tell you what, if, if you come out that way, you are going to lose battles. Yeah. Because it's the faith in the Word that's the shield. Yeah. And if you're going, I don't know, I tried it once. It didn't work. Yeah, you might not be so quick to say that. Yeah, because yeah, it might have been something totally different. I'm telling you what, the Word of God works. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Can I tell you what? They don't just put the... I can go on here. I better stop. They didn't just put the shield up for one arrow. And they go, okay, well, that worked. Great. Right? Sometimes when the arrows are flying in, you're quoting Scripture all day long. Sometimes, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you go on your way. And by the end of the day, you got all these arrows sticking out. And you go, well, what happened? It didn't work. Well, no, you didn't. You took it down. 
<laughs> you got out from behind it and went on your own merry way. It's a battle, right? Roll off old song, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game, right? Run if you want to, run if you will. I came here to stay. That's a great old song. Yeah? It's a battle, man. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't join the Peace Corps, right? We're not like, you know, uh, you know, building houses and digging wells and things like that. This is a spiritual, spiritual battle. It absolutely is. And if you want to be victorious, you've got to have your shield of faith. Amen. Yeah, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Memorize it. Memorize it. I told you I'm back to memorizing Romans 6 again. I gotta, we're getting close. Get that thing down. But find it. Listen. Find, you say, I don't know which one. It's all the Word of God. Find one and memorize it, okay? Yeah. Just, just start somewhere and keep it in front of you. Put it on your house, over your walls, in your car. Put it everywhere. Put the Word of God. Put it on your front yard. Mow it into the grass. That'd be really cool. I don't know. How you, but do something. Shave it on your dog. That'd be neat. A little, you know, take him to the barber and have it shaved on there, you know? And uh, a, 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 a living dog is better than a dead lion out of Ecclesiastes. That's what you put on there. Yeah. So I'm t- just put it on there. Yeah. It's powerful. It's a shield. It's a shield. Don't minimize it. And don't neglect it. Father, thank you that you've equipped us to be victorious. And everybody in this room knows what it is to have defeat. We all know. We know what it is. And we hate it. We don't like it. Lord, we thank you this morning for the reminder of what you have given us, not just to get through, you know, just to get to the end of life, but to stand strong in battle and not give up ground. And Lord, we want that today. I want that. And I think most everybody in this room wants that today. And so, Father, would you help us as we even go out this week, maybe you'd give us some ideas to put some new patterns in our life with your word as a shield. Maybe new verses we need to memorize. Maybe things we need to brush up on. Maybe we, whatever it is, ways we need to keep your word at the forefront of our life. And we'll thank you for that victory in Jesus' name. Amen.